the marinade. There's no O in marinade. Let's try it one more time. Ready? One, <laughs> two, three. <laughs> the marinade. Marrow. Marrow. Marinade. Bone marinade. The marinade. The marinade. With Jason Earl. Welcome to The Marinade, a free-flowing conversation about the creative process with creative people. This is episode 140, and our guest is River Shook. Known professionally by their birth name, Sarah, River is the lead singer and songwriter for their bands, Sarah Shook and the Disarmers, and Mightmare. Y'all, if you've listened to this show for any amount of time, you know how much I love River and their work. This is their second appearance on The Marinade. The first was way back in 2018, ahead of Sarah Shook and the Disarmor show in Orlando, Florida. A lot has happened for them and for me since that talk, as you will hear in this episode. We caught up with River at the inaugural AVL Fest in Asheville, North Carolina, ahead of their incredible set at the legendary Orange Peel. I have to say a huge thanks to Wicked Weed Brewing and Worthwhile Sounds who sponsored the festival and Victory Lap Media for inviting us to cover AVL Fest. Danielle and Victory Lap Media do such a great job and take such great care of us. If you're an artist or festival organizer in need of publicity, keep Victory Lap in mind. This is not a paid advertisement. I just appreciate the work they do. Speaking of which, we caught up with River in the media area that was set aside at Citizen Vinyl, the impossibly cool Citizen Vinyl in downtown Asheville. So if you hear really cool music and interesting background conversations, don't worry about adjusting your podcast machine. It's just all a part of the experience. Everyone, it is my great honor to bring you my conversation with River Shook. As a refresher, this thing is temperamental and makes like pop pop noises if you don't hold it kind of still. Okay. I tend to just kind of like hold it like this, basically. That seems to fix it for the most part. But um, speaking of which, it's been since 2018 since we've done this. It's been a long time. <laughs> it's been a <laughs> lifetime for you. Yes. <laughs> a few lifetimes. <laughs> There's so much to talk about. I... I want to talk, and this is kind of half selfish for me because I'm kind of um, going through like a, uh, I don't know if it's a sobriety journey or like a, uh, I don't know how to describe it exactly. What I've been saying is I still drink, but I quit drinking. Yep. And I still haven't written that song, but if anybody wants to take that, just give me co-writing credit. (laughs) 
Nice. <laughs> including you. <laughs> um, and let me just double check that your mic is yeah. on and everything's good. I'm sorry. And thanks. Yep. Um, and so, like, one of the things that I really appreciate about you is how open you are with your mental health, how open you are with your, your big life choices like that. And it helps me, and I know it helps other folks, to hear you talk about these things so openly to discuss them. And so I'm wondering if we could start there with your decision to get sober and sort of what you were going through. Because the last time we did this, you and I were sitting across from each other. You were smoking a cigarette, drinking some whiskey. I was drinking a beer. The world feels different to me in this moment. And I look and sitting here next to you now in Asheville, you look different. You've, it feels different. Can you talk about that decision to start us off? Absolutely. I, I spent a lot of time researching sobriety and thinking about getting sober and dabbling with sobriety a few times before I was actually uh, like successful with it. Um, I think, um, you know, I, I write songs based on my experience. So when you listen to sidelong or years like all of those songs about like drinking as a coping mechanism and sort of as a tool to try to navigate a world that can be pretty confusing and uncomfortable all of that is 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 actual and real uh, based on real actual experiences so I was pretty much getting wasted every night I feel like my drinking definitely accelerated when the band started touring and I was put in this position that was very like public facing and that was not something that I would have ever chosen for myself. I'm pretty introverted and trying to figure out how to navigate this industry that is, it's like any other industry. There's really good people. And then there's also like a lot of people who are sort of cutthroat and they just have a completely different set of motives than I do. It's just like, I write songs so that I don't kill myself. <laughs> like yeah. I'm not out here trying to like get famous or make millions of dollars or like, that's just not what this is for me. Um, so I think I didn't really have any other way at the time to deal with a lot of really complex issues that I was facing and alcohol was easy. It was, you know, you just you don't have to think anymore it's just yeah. like yep the problems yeah. exist and and they're they're still there lurking in the background but like they're a little blurrier and a little more out of focus and I don't have to think about it as much and um after a few years of that your body starts telling you that you really need to quit yeah um I was waking up and having like really really bad like blood sugar crashes and like shaking and um, like scary stuff, just like picking yeah. up a cup to take a sip and like your, your hands shaking, your lips are shaking. Like every, your body is just like, what are you doing to me, bro? Yeah. 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 Um, and it was also getting to a point where it was affecting my personal life. Mm. And the, the last night that I drank, um, I was in Winnipeg and we had just played a folk festival up there. And uh, it was the last night of the festival and all the artists were staying at the same big fancy hotel. And uh, the hotel staff was just like, we know y'all have liquor and beer in your rooms. Just we know the hotel bar is expensive. So, so just like bring it down to the lobby and feel feel free. It's the last night. Like have a party. 
So there was a massive party downstairs in the lobby and my phone was dying and I was wasted and um, I texted my partner and was just like, hey, I'm, I'm going to go downstairs to this party. I hope you have a good night. And he was back home wasted and he was just like, yeah, okay, cool. Yeah. And then I woke up the next morning and I had all these texts where he was just like, I thought you were going to come back and say good night. Like, and I was like, no, that was me saying good night. It was just like a big messy situation that literally only happened because we were both drunk and yeah, not yeah. communicating well. Yeah. And when you realize that you sort of like put somebody that you care about in this position of distress and it, it didn't even need to happen, you know, um, it was like a it was a, a moment. And we we FaceTimed the next morning and just like looked at each other and we both looked like absolute garbage. And I was like, dude, like we we have to quit. Like this is this has gotten to a point where I think I think it's time. And I was like, I can't tell you what to do, but I know for me, like I can't I can't keep doing this. Yeah. And that was July 15th of 2019. Oh, wow. Okay. So, yeah. Yep. Because I think I saw you, and I remember it vividly just because, well, f- first of all, I've just always, I mean, since I first listened to your records, I've just felt this connection to you and the work that you do and who you are. And then getting to meet you that first time, I mean, that's still... We we went on for 30 minutes that first episode. We recorded for like 45 or whatever. And then we had 30 minutes off mic that was just like, we really went in the shit, <laughs> you know? And it was a bummer that we were off mic, but we really got in the weeds, you know? And then, this, so this is, again, pre-sobriety. And then I saw you play, and you played a fucking killer show at Will's Pub right after you'd gotten sober. I don't remember how long that was, but it couldn't have been very long if you got, if you stopped drinking in July. Yeah. Cause the world shut down not long after. And you talk a little bit, you, you talked about that introverted part. Cause I remember I, I was leaving and I, I was not sober and I saw you and it was like, you had just finished your set and you had this look on your face. Like I want to acknowledge you. <laughs> I don't want to I don't want to like ignore you right now right. but you had that look on your face like I'm fucking spent yeah, yeah. <laughs> I am fucking spent yep. and you gave me a big hug and it was cool <laughs> and then I was just like okay I'm gonna leave I'm gonna leave him alone <laughs> um but I wonder like with that like coping right is the thing I'm learning I, I do so much with alcohol and yeah. I never wanted to admit it because at that point then you have to make a decision yeah. It's like when you acknowledge that you're using it to cope, that's when you have to do something about it. Yeah. And I didn't realize it until I had the same, I had physical stuff too. thought I was having a heart attack for a month. Uh, my anxiety had gotten completely out of control. And uh, I went to the doctor. They weren't very helpful. I went to a different doctor who was like, dude, you got to get on anxiety meds. And so for the last month, I've actually been on medication for the first time in my life. And one of the things about the medication is that, like, I don't want to drink anymore. I mean, I do. Like I said, I still drink, but I quit drinking. Right? Yeah. I still have a, have a drink here, have a drink there, have, maybe have a couple drinks, in fact. But I realized that the reason I was doing it so often wasn't because of anything other than I was coping. What, for you, what is that coping looking like now? Like, what are you doing to cope, to deal with? Cause all the shit still stays there. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a really great question. Um, I think sobriety is different for everyone because I think that everyone has a different relationship with alcohol 
And anytime I'm on stage and I talk about sobriety at all, I preface anything I'm going to say with, I don't think everybody needs to quit drinking. I needed to quit drinking. I think there are a lot of people who aren't addicts. They don't have that thing, that desire. That's just like, if I have one, I'm going to have 25, you know? Um, But I, I think that, um, I think like you said, when you realize that you are using it to cope, um, if you're only having like one or two drinks a month, and it is like this sort of coping and like, well, this hap- helps me in like a social situation where mm-hmm. I would otherwise be maybe too uncomfortable to socialize. Yeah. Um, like everybody has to decide for themselves what is acceptable to them. Like maybe that's okay for you to use that as a coping mechanism. Yeah, you yeah. know, I yeah. think I think having physical symptoms is definitely a pretty um, pretty pretty good sign that like you're you're you've tipped the scale into the abusing it part. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but in the early days, I think I, I realized right off the bat, if I'm, if I'm going to quit and actually make it stick this time, like I have to try to change the way I even perceive alcohol. Whereas before my brain is just like, this is a reward. And like, this is what I do to treat myself when I've had a rough day or when I've had to deal with a difficult person or situation. Um, the biggest thing that made a difference for me was that I decided to go for a 15 minute walk every day, no matter what. Um, and a big part of why that was impactful for me is because I have so much social anxiety. So like walking around my neighborhood is like at that point in my life was really scary. It's like, I just, I don't want to be around people. I don't want people looking at me. Um, so it was a big deal to commit to even just 15 minutes a day. Yeah. And so I started doing that, uh, rain or shine. And, you know, you know, not even a full year after I got sober, the world shut down. So it definitely freed up my time to really commit to this. Yeah. Um, and I think about a year and a month, it was like 13 months almost to the day after I started going for my daily 15 minute walk, I was in the middle of my walk and I had this realization that, of just how different of a person I was simply because of exercising this habit where it wasn't like, Oh, I need to go to the gym five days a week for 30 minutes. It was like, no, I just need to do this one tiny thing that scares me every single fucking day. And I just need to do it even though it scares me. And I think that it's, there's something there about rebuilding your faith in yourself which is a really big deal if you know mm-hmm. you're you're drinking because as a coping mechanism due to like trauma mm-hmm. um and which which I I certainly was um especially uh especially for folks who have been in abusive relationships or have been in um raised in very oppressive environments mm-hmm. that stuff arose your your faith in yourself because you, you know, you stay like so many of us stay for so long. And so it's like every day we're making this decision that's putting us in harm's way. And then once you get out of it and once you're on the other side and you kind of have a little bit more clarity, you're just like, Oh my God. Like I, I mean, no, I'm not the abuser, but like I subjected myself to that. Yeah. How can I ever trust myself again? How can I ever trust my judgment again? If that's what I'm willing to put myself through. Um, so, you know, drinking was something that helped me 
not have to ask hard questions yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. And when you quit drinking, all that hard stuff comes up. And um, part of it was walking for me and part of it was starting therapy. Uh, uh-huh. um, and just like once a week talk therapy, going into it with the mindset that like I am not going to this person for them to fix me. Yeah. Like nobody can fix me. Yeah. I can fix me. This person is a sounding board. Yeah. And this person can help me figure out if the steps that I'm choosing to take are like putting me on a path that's going to get me where I want to go. You know, that part, that part I'm, I'm living with too is like, I, I did have regular talk therapy for years and then, and then I got to the place where I just didn't have regular insurance. And so I wasn't going and then I, then I was replacing that talk therapy with wine. Right. And yep. like, and it, it wasn't a conscious decision. Yeah. It wasn't like I was I, I, at all, you know, it just, I needed something to quiet all that existential dread. Yeah. And, and that's what I was turning to so often. I, I'm really interested in, you know, anytime I talk to somebody who has, who has, made stuff while they were drinking and then made stuff while they're not drinking. I'm fascinated in, in that, but I specifically am interested in the, the two most recent records from you, the, the most recent disarmers record. And then the nightmare stuff that I fucking adore. Thank you. I absolutely adore it. And I wonder, do you think that you think that record specifically the nightmare record would have happened if you were still, drinking do absolutely you think not no 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 um and i mean not even just lo- logistically but i i wouldn't have had the the energy to do it i might have had the interest i feel like some of those songs i s- were in sort of a like a demo phase so mm. the, these were things that i was like kind of messing around with when i was still drinking but i think that's something that a lot of people don't consider when they're thinking about recovery or sobriety is like sobriety and recovery are not just not drinking or like not doing the drugs it's like facing the trauma from your past and it's asking the hard questions and figuring out what answers are right for you specifically and it's also just like waking up not feeling like death every morning (laughs) like the the amount of energy and the amount of create Activity and creative energy um, is is like kind of astounding, and that's something that I I, I didn't even consider. I was like, I just want to get better and feel better, you know. Yeah. And I didn't expect to like have this boundless energy yeah. because I'm not like hampering myself mentally yeah. and physically every night with booze. Yeah, I think B.J. Barham said about Jason Isbell, like he took the training wheels off when he uh, when he stopped drinking. You know, yeah. he was already faster than everybody, but then he took the training yeah. wheels off <laughs> <Yeah>. and like. <laughs> Shot yeah. out like a rocket, yep. <laughs> you know, I'm paraphrasing. Sorry, BJ, if you're listening to this and I'm, I misquoted you, but that's basically what happened. Right. And yeah. So with, with nightmare, uh, like were those sounds for, for, for years sort of in the back of your head? Cause I mean, it, 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 it sounds like, and I don't want to project too much onto, to you having only met you twice, but it feels like a very authentic version of what someone is trying to make right like so, like something's like these sounds it seems like something that maybe had been all, like sitting there somewhere that then had to come out is that accurate and like can you talk a little bit about that because sonically it's so different from your disarmor stuff yeah i i think that's an accurate description um i think that it was 
some of those songs were older, some of them were newer, but mm. I think I, mentally I was in a place where I was ready to kind of go into that um, sort of different genre, different feel. Uh, that was also, you know, the Disarmers had just cut Night Roamer in Los Angeles at the beginning mm. of March 2020 and okay. flew home and literally within like a week or two, like California shut down. So yeah. it was like, oh my God, we're not only can we not put this record out, we can't tour on it. Like I'm going to be home for who knows how long. Yeah. And especially being in those early stages of sobriety, I was like, I have to have something to focus all of my attention on. Like, um, yes, I'm walking for 15 minutes every day and yes, I'm going to talk yeah. therapy, but I need a creative endeavor that, you know, I am the boss of, and I'm not accountable to anybody else for like, I'm making all the decisions. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's something else, um, that I, I just realized in this moment too. Like there were, there were a lot of moments when, uh, we were tracking night roamer that I was just like, this is not the way I want to do this. I'm not happy with this. There was like headbutting and there was some pushing and pulling. Mm. So having the freedom to completely do everything the way that I wanted to do, um, was super liberating. Initially it was supposed to be an indie rock record and because I didn't have a drummer, I had to like use electronic beats. So then you have this record that's supposed to be indie rock that has this total twist and now it's this sort of lo-fi yes. shoegaze pop thing. Yes. Um with indie rock riffs. Yes. <laughs> yes it is. But like lots of different <laughs> instrumentation. There's I mean there's like harps and who's and like all different weird yeah. instruments in there dude it's, and it's so great and, and i think yeah because I, I think i remember you kind of teasing it a little bit on social media you know you mentioned a little bit about it and and uh, I, I you know I, I just have so much faith in your work that i was sure it was going to be good but i didn't know i was going to be like leveled that way right Thank that i was going to think it was that fucking good <laughs> do you I, I guess it's probably tough to play that like live have, have you toured did you get to tour that record at all we did um we did a two-week tour a cup that started a couple days after the album dropped mm -hmm. and it was it was like a two-week headlining tour and it, the songs live are exactly how i envisioned them before i made the record so it is like it's a completely different animal yeah it's yeah super like at times it's really heavy it's like uh, Blake plays uh, guitar and synth, um, so there's still that element of synth floating around melodically, mm -hmm. um, but it's it's a lot heavier and a lot darker, and I love the record for what it is, and I also love the live show for what it is. It's, oh, it's cool. Like, it's, a, it's an interesting dichotomy. Is there any chance you could slip in a Mightmare song during a uh, Disarmers set? Um, I don't think we've done that. We've slipped a Disarmor song into a Mightmare set. Oh, oh yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. We did uh, Been Loving You. Oh, cool. Yeah. Very cool. Yep. Well, speaking of, uh, and for folks listening, Blake's sitting right here, by the way, but um, <laughs> the, the Night Roamer also, I was trying, I was listening to it again today and trying to think through like what it is that hits different about that record. And I, I don't have a good answer for that um, other than, and I, I don't know how much of a question I have here for you more than just a compliment, which is you just keep getting better. Thank you. You're just, you, you're, you're continuing to, to grow as a writer from, from, you know, my opinion, you're continuing to grow 
in terms of um, just the way the songs are written. I've been a fan of yours since the beginning, but the most recent things that you're putting out are just, to me, are like a, a pretty significant step up. And that is not to at all disparage the old stuff, which I, f- I absolutely love and I'm on record as loving. But it just seems like you keep getting better. Thank you. I, I think that's recovery is part of that um for sure i mean night roamer i feel like the the songwriting is evolving at that point i feel like Mm. i feel like when we tracked night roamer that set of songs in particular is a very transitional phase because one of the things that i was the most scared of when i quit drinking kind of the only thing i was scared of was like well what if i can ever write a song again yeah yeah because that's of course, you know yeah. now you're fucking with both my coping mechanisms sure, yeah. like what the hell yeah um and yeah i did i did go through like a i think it was like a 6 month dry spell like i didn't write anything for like 6 months and i was like oh here we go and then when i started writing again it was like it was just different because yeah. in the past, like, I had been drinking, like, two double whiskeys before I even sat down with a guitar. Right, right. So going in completely cold sober was was different. And I, I feel like things sort of evolved naturally into this more, like, narrative, um, objective, outside-looking-in, self-analytical, which I've always been that way. Right. Yeah. Well, I think that's part of what I... Uh, identify with so much in your in your music but sobriety can't be the only thing there like obviously that's a huge help and you've you've talked about that but there's there's got, there's more to it than just that right so like has your yeah. process changed like what how, what what else has changed that has has gotten you to the to the place you are right now creatively so kind of flipping that on its head or even like going back in the timeline more I have always been a person who is pretty obsessed with self-betterment and learning things and growing and evolving um, and changing and not being in a, like a fixed stagnant state, just like constantly moving forward and like absorbing. And I think when I started binge drinking and I did for years and years and years, I think I got into that state of stagnancy that I had always wanted to avoid. Yeah. And what happened is when I came out of that, it's like the evolution just like kickstarted into high gear where it's just like, okay, we're back and we have like a lot of catching up to do and you just wasted all this time. So like, let's just, you know, light speed, full speed ahead. Uh Let's, let's go. Um, Sobriety and recovery are just like a part of a much bigger thing for me like self-betterment and growth and evolution is like the big thing um and those things just like played into that man that's great um i want to be mindful of your time here and we have already just about gotten to a half hour so i want to i want to be mindful of that but i i can't in this conversation without first just saying just thank you for being so generous to the marinade. You've been so good to to me and to the show and both in person and online. And like, I just really appreciate that. And then we always end on what you're getting down on. So the art that has you fired up at the moment, like what are you consuming right now? It could be a book you're reading, could be a painting you've seen, music you're listening to. 
Let's see. Uh, today in the van, mm. um, I found a song called Stone Cutters by Dope Lemon. Uh-huh. And I've listened to that about 30 times today. So um, that's that's been my day. I think maybe even the last time we talked, I was already talking about being obsessed with the Black Angels. So yeah. Yeah, which is still, yeah. I mean, they're like top three bands. Those They do not put out a bad record. Every record they release is a fucking banger. And it's crazy to me they're not more sort of i mean of course so many of the bands we love are really well not really well known right but but how they they seem like an undeniable kind of have like a universality to them like that there's something about that sound that you're just like why isn't this the thing that every cool kid talks about and listens to and i don't know what that is but yeah every fucking record is awesome yeah i wish i could remember this story that i'm just about to butcher but i had somebody on the show um, whose name is escaping me at the moment. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> this is high quality <laughs> radio here, folks. Hell yeah. I had somebody on the show years ago who used to hang out with the Black Angels. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for listening. Ooh. This is, man, what a banger of a story. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It'll come to me as soon as we finish, of course, right? Sorry, dude who was on the show who used to hang with the Black Angels. This could have been such a moment. Um, man, I'm so excited to see you, see your, sh- uh, your set tonight. Like I haven't gotten to see you since 2019. I guess that was the last time yeah. that I got to see you. Um, and that was just such a killer, killer night. And, and you're always, you always bring it and you got, you know, I, have, I haven't heard any of these new songs either live. So, um, really, really excited for that. And just thank you so much again for just being Absolutely. so generous with your time and energy. Yeah, it's it's my pleasure. Let's not wait five years. Let's not wait five <laughs> years. <All right>. <laughs> <laughs> just let's uh if you could help stave off any pandemics, <laughs> any um uh, make sure that our logistics work. Yes. Piece of cake. I'll I'll put a good word in. Yeah, thank yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> y'all thank you so much river thank all of you for listening the song you're hearing in this episode is talking to myself from the album night roamer by sarah shook and the disarmers disarmers.com for all things sarah shook and the disarmers mightmare.com for all things mightmare marinadepodcast.com for all things the marinade follow us on youtube instagram tiktok reddit spoutable twitter blue sky mastodon all the things except Facebook. Subscribe and give us a five-star rating on your podcast app. Tell a friend about the show. These are all free ways to support the marinade. Go do that now while you are listening, please. It makes a big difference for us and costs so little of your time and effort. If you really like what we're doing and can swing it, please consider joining our Patreon community. Just a few bucks a month, y'all. $2 a month, you can gain access to Patreon-exclusive content like our show, Jason's Journey, where I talk about the moments that shape my creative life and provide a window into the process 
process of making the marinade. Y'all, you can now try a free trial of Patreon to see if you like it. No pressure. Try it for seven days. Set a reminder on your phone in case you want to cancel. Keep going if you dig it. We also have a monthly show called What We're Getting Down On. It's a conversation between me and my good friend Peter Haroldson. We're having a lot of fun making that. We also have our show Inner Child, where sometimes I ask our guests childlike questions such as favorite food, TV show, dream car, stuff like that. If you want to support the show financially, but you don't want to commit to a monthly subscription, I totally get that. You can Venmo or PayPal us. It's just at the marinade, and all the money goes right back into the making of the show. There is no conversation with River Shook this time around without our Patreon patrons. I mean, we could have done things on Zoom and... That would have been great, and I'm, I'm thankful that we have that technology and that we utilize it quite a bit, but it was special, you know, and it was special to be where we were. It was special to have uh, Blake, her guitar player, in attendance. There's just The whole thing was great, and it happened because we have the support of our Patreon patrons. We have another incredible episode on the way. It's got Willie Carlisle, and I am so excited for y'all to hear it. That was recorded at the same AVL festival. Mark your calendars for next year, y'all. It was such a great time. Above all, we're just so thankful that you listen and spread the word about the marinade. Until next time, go out and create something. Cheers, y'all. <laughs>